imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me this week on the Lead Hership Global Podcast. And today, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome Sharon Lecter. She is a keynote speaker, best-selling author, business strategist, mentor, and she's here to talk about her newest book, Exit Rich. I absolutely could not be more excited to speak to Sharon about strategies to build business value so that you can ultimately exit your business rich, which is, I think, the goal for any business owner. You know, you only sell your business once. And for many owners, that sale represents the culmination of a lifetime's worth of work. So it's worth putting in the time and resources to get it right and to achieve all of your objectives. And while maximizing the value of your business is a common and important objective of the sale of a business, it shouldn't be the only one. The market for private and family business sales has been steadily increasing and strengthening and valuations are actually on the rise. The growing number of businesses that are going through a sales process driven by demographic change is being matched by a strong demand from both domestic as well as international buyers and investors, both strategic and private equity. So today we have the privilege and honor of speaking with Sharon Lecter, the author of Think and Grow Witch for Women and her latest book, Exit Rich, and she will explain how you can build business value now so you can exit rich later. And for business owners across the spectrum, proactive preparation is absolutely mandatory. So whether you are divesting the business completely or bringing in a private equity investor to fuel additional growth, the process that you develop and follow will play a critical role in creating value for you, your family, and for your legacy. Now, before we jump in, let me tell you a little bit about Sharon. Sharon Lecter is a keynote speaker and as a business strategist and mentor and an elite entrepreneur and best-selling author, she's also a philanthropist, a business strategist, a mentor, and a licensed CPA for the past 35 years. She also happens to be a mother and a grandmother, so she knows what it is to create a legacy. She is a lifelong education advocate, and she's the founder and CEO of Pay Your Family First, a financial education organization. I tell you, she has done it all. In 1977, Sharon co-authored the international bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure all of you are familiar with that franchise, along with 14 other books in the Rich Dad series. Over 10 years as CEO, she led the Rich Dad company and brand into an international powerhouse. In 2008, she was asked by Napoleon Hill Foundation to help re-energize the powerful teachings of Napoleon Hill, 
just as the international economy was beginning to falter. She has released three best-selling books in cooperation with the foundation, including Think and Grow Rich, Three Feet from Gold, Outwitting the Devil, Think and Grow Rich for Women, and Success and Something Greater, as well as her newest book, Exit Rich. In 2008, Sharon was appointed to the first President of the United States Advisory Council on Financial Literacy. The council served both President Bush and President Obama, advising them on the need for financial literacy education. I could not be more thrilled to welcome Sharon Lecter to the program today. Thank you for being here, Sharon. Thank you, Linda. I am so delighted to be with you, and I just want to celebrate you and congratulate you for creating this opportunity for women to come together and support each other, because that's what it takes. So all of us coming together and supporting and celebrating each other. I agree, Sharon. And thank you so much for saying that. I really do appreciate it. Now, let's dive in. Sharon, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what's led you to have such passion around helping business owners drive business value so that they can exit their businesses rich? Well, thank you, Linda. And yes, that was a great um introduction. Obviously, I've been around a long time because I've been I've done a lot. But let's talk about the beginning of the story, because a lot of people go, oh, easy for her to say. But um, I grew up in a very lower middle class house. We lived in a little tiny house between my mother's beauty shop, my dad's used car lot. We had rental properties that at 10 years old, I had to go scrub out bathrooms. I swore I would never be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a sophisticated professional. So I got my degree in accounting. And I was one of the very first women in public accounting in the Southeast United States. But I thought I was hot stuff. Young, single, great career in Atlanta, Georgia, having the time of my life. And about the ripe old age of 25, I was very successful, but I was working crazy hours. All of a sudden, my parents started looking a whole lot smarter. And I said, you know, if I'm going to work this kind of time, I should be working for myself, not somebody else. And so I had the opportunity to leave public accounting with one of my clients. And I remember going back to my apartment, going pros and cons on the old yellow legal pad, because this was before PCs and cell phones. And it didn't help me a bit because I could argue both sides. And my hand took off across the top of the page and said, why not? And that is still my personal mantra today. Why not do something different? Why not take that path less traveled? Why not solve a problem or serve a need? And the basis of everything I've done in my career, even to the point of writing Exit Rich, is people understand successful businesses solve problems and serve needs. And you want to create that success, you want to build the foundation of that business. So I ended up going to a, the decision I made. I said, why not? I went, it was a very bad decision, but had I not gone there, I wouldn't have met Michael Lecter and we just celebrated 40 years together. So um, Napoleon Hill says, out of every adversity comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. And I got the worst business decision, gave me my best life decision. And sometimes we just have to close one door for other doors to open. We got married, had kids. I started a woman's magazine, sold that. Then I met the inventor of the first talking children's book, the book with sound strips down the side. And um, my kids didn't like to read. So I thought, gosh, this would be great. So I joined forces with him. And at that time, kids didn't have electronics, dinosaur days, I know. And I ended up um, saying, we should probably align with people that like 
you know, that parents know, like, and trust. So that's when I learned a lot about the power of association. We aligned with Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street, Marvel Comics, and that company just exploded around the world in a good way. And um, we sold it four years into that process. And that was 1991. We moved here to Arizona. And my oldest son went off to college in the fall of 92 in September. And he was greeted with these tables, free pizza, free money, free t-shirt, free money. And he came home at Christmas and he was in credit card debt. We didn't even know he had a credit card. He got those at the when he arrived at school in September. And he had a really good time his first semester in college. But that was December of 92. We refused to bail him out of um, credit card debt. He had to work almost seven years to get out of debt and to repair his credit. But he's as passionate as I am today. But December of 92 is when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education, and entrepreneurship education. Because I realized once I was out in the real world that most people didn't have the same kind of upbringing that I did. They exchanged time for money. We're raised up through school to get a job, exchange time for money. And I was raised to buy, build, or create assets, my favorite word on earth, assets. And assets are sexy, and they are sexier the older you get. And that's what creates financial freedom. And one of the greatest and most lucrative assets you can build is a business if you build it appropriately. And so... Fast forward a few years, my husband called me one day and said, Sharon, I met a man that has what you've been looking for. Now, if your husband called you and said that, I, I still remember going, okay, honey, tell me who. And this guy had gone to his, into his office with flip-flops and Bermuda shorts and Hawaiian shirts. His name was Robert Kiyosaki. My husband is a well-known intellectual property attorney. He was in the corner office, mahogany, tall building in Phoenix. And this guy comes in in flip-flops and... Um, I met Robert at the first beta test for the cash flow board game. And I was the only one that got out of the rat race and it was drawn on a piece of uh, bitcher block paper. And because of my experience with the talking um, children's book, we'd also did games. I was able to help them commercialize that. And in that process, he told me he wanted to charge $200 for the game. And I said, that's kind of pricey. Maybe you should write a brochure. And that was when in 1997, he asked me to become his partner. And together we wrote that brochure and that little brochure just happened at one of my desks was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. This was the original Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was released in April of 1997. And um, we never expected to be a book company, but that was the first of 15 books we wrote together in 10 years. And at the 10th year, he, we were no longer aligned and he wanted to go into franchise. And I didn't like, I didn't believe in the model. And that's when I made the decision to leave. And that kind of ties into the rest of your story and the fact that I, I left not knowing what was in front of me. I thought Rich Dad was my legacy. And I want everybody to listen to this because you put your heart and soul in building a company and you kind of put this in your intro. It's kind of like who, you define yourself by that company and you think that's your legacy. No, your legacy is everything you do that and beyond. And I closed that door, not knowing what was going to happen. And I challenge people to think about if there's a door in their life, they need to close. Because a few months later is when I got the call from President Bush. And what an honor. I wouldn't have had that call had I still been a rich dad. A few months later, we know what happened to the economy in 2008. I got the call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation asking me to step in and reinvigorate his teachings. 
wow, what an honor. I just built the largest personal finance. And then I'm asked to step into the world's largest personal development brand. And I read Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was 19. I bet you did you know, early for you as well. And wow, to be able to step in and help do that. What an incredible gift. And so I share this, my part of the story, because I want all of you to think about, is there a door in your life you need to close? Because I certainly wouldn't have gotten the call from the foundation had I still been at Rich Dad. So sometimes we don't know what's in, installed for us. Somebody upstairs does. But you just continue focusing on what you want. What is your mission? You know, my passion was to elevate the financial well-being of humanity, to fight to get financial education into schools. And I am pa as passionate about that today as I was in December of 1992. And so I do several books with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and I have my own company, Pay Your Family First, with lots of different products. And then, as you mentioned, this we're partnered up with Michelle Seiler Tucker, who is the largest female business broker in the country and mergers and acquisitions specialists. And we came together, particularly during this whole pandemic for people to understand it's so important to build your business so that it can be an asset separate from you, that it can generate cash for you, generational wealth, or create something that can be sold and give you the opportunity to exit rich. But it also can help you exit with your time you can have your business. You don't need to sell the business, but have it set up so that it's running without you and you get your time back. And that kind of brings you to where I am today. Oh, Sharon, what an inspiring story. Thank you so much. And you said so much in that intro that I'd love to sort of double down on a bit. And one of the most recent sorts of nuggets that you just noted was that you know, your business has to be separate from who you are and your identity. It is a separate entity, a separate asset from the business owner. And what's really interesting to me is that many owners don't even realize that, you know, someday somebody might want to buy this thing and they've spent so much time building the business that it actually becomes part of their identity. Not only do they see it as part of their legacy, they see it as part of their identity. They are the business and they can't imagine the business running without them. So if you're in that kind of mindset, how can that impede the progress of being able to grow and scale the business beyond your identity? Well, I challenge people in that arena to think about their time. Because when you have the business as your identity and you, you really own a job, you don't own a business because you can't step away from it because it's so aligned to you. And I, you know, I kind of draw a parallel between do you have a mission brand or do you have a celebrity brand? All right, that mission brand can live without you. If it's a celebrity brand, even if you sell the company, you're tied to it. And that's, you know, it's so important for you to make that decision early on. And when you start a business, it's kind of hard to think about it, but you really should think of the end in mind. Where do you want this business to go? Do you want to build a business that can stay in your family? Well, if you want it to be able to be a viable business for generations, you need to put the pinning, the underpinning in it now so that it can scale. And that's too many people get excited about their product, sell it and get a profit. They don't build the structure around the business. So I'm, draw a parallel. You build a house. You have to go down first. You got to build the foundation of the house. Then you have to put in plumbing and electricity before you can live in the house, right? And the strength of that house, 
the longevity of that house is dependent on the foundation and the systems within that house. Same thing for a business. And a lot of people, they don't want to think about systems. They think that's boring. Believe me, it's not. Because when you are building a business and you've got a bunch of personalities, it's so much easier to manage a system than personalities. And when you have a system and those people are sitting in the seats within that system, something goes wrong, you manage the system, not the personality. So. That's right. And I love when you said you have to begin with the end in mind. Are you a, a mission-based business or are you a celebrity-based business? And if you choose to be a celebrity-based business, then you are forever tied and your identity is forever tied to that business, which may actually impede the ability for you to grow and scale the business because then it is tied to your time, which is so smart. And the second mistake that I understand that many business owners make is that they've been working in the business instead of on the business. And it's a complete mind shift for many owners to think about working on the business, not just in the business. So what do you recommend to make sure business owners are working on the strategy, on the vision, on the, as you said, the processes of the business? So the business owner is the number one salesperson. It's their passion, it's their baby. And what happens, I, I use a car analogy, house, car. So here's a car analogy. You're in your business, you're in the driver's seat, you have your hands on the steering wheel, your foot on the accelerator, giant windshield. You can go anywhere you want, all right? Your windshield, the rear view mirror is very small because you're just supposed to learn from the past. And so you've got your foot on the accelerator and things are going great. You've got some success. Your business is going super. And all of a sudden you get a call from your accountant saying, we need to talk about some transaction last month. Your foot comes off the accelerator a little bit. The next day you get a call from your attorney. You know, we need to look at those foundational documents. We need to go over those foot comes off the accelerator because you are now being pulled into the day to day and whose foot is on the accelerator? Nobody's. And so it's really important. One of the, we have six P's we outline in Exit Rich. And the first one is people. You have to have people on your team that are strong where you are weak. You have to have people on your team that are operational because the vast majority of entrepreneurs, creators, founders aren't really good operations people. And you need to make sure you bring that into your team. You also want a mentor, a mentor who's going to speed your way to success open doors for you, steer you around the pitfalls. And that people piece is such an important part because when you are looking at somebody investing in your company or looking at somebody wanting to buy, they want to see who's on the team. They want to see how strong that management team is. And we're all they're going to be looking for the holes. And so when you can have the right people on your team, your foot goes back on the accelerator because you're the one driving the future. I have something that I tell people, I do something called my, used to be two, two, two rule, which was two handwritten notes, two phone calls and two faxes. So it tells you how long ago we're talking about. So now it's like five twos because of social media, but I still do the two handwritten notes, two phone calls, and then posts on various forms about driving your business forward. Always focusing every single day before you close down, do something, take an action to reach somebody new. 
Um, reach out to somebody that's a new association. Reach out to somebody that was a client two years ago that's not there anymore just to reconnect. Always focusing on the future of your business. I love that. That is just brilliant. To make that a purposeful and intentional part of your business is to constantly be networking and reaching out and being an advocate and a champion for your business. That is so smart. Now, let me switch gears a little bit. I believe that while maximizing the value of your business is a common and super important objective in the sales process, it's not the only one. It may also be important for business owners to consider what else is really critical for them to achieve, like maybe maintaining the culture that they built after the acquisition or making sure that their employees are taken care of in the new management structure. Uh, it may be confidentiality considerations. It may be something about the, um, the contract of the business owner staying with the business for some duration of time during the transaction. So how can business owners set clear objectives for their eventual business exit beyond just the valuation of the business and the profitability of the business? Well, every one of those steps you just mentioned are critically important. That's part of the systems within your business, right? If you if your employees get, the, get here, you're going to sell the business, they're going to start exiting. So it's really important to understand the confidentiality that you need. We go through every one of those steps in the book Exit Rich. Also, understanding how to prepare yourself for that, that culture. I have a um, Brandon Dawson, who's now part of Cardone Ventures. He sold his business at 77 times EBITDA, $151 million a few years ago, Audigy. And I work closely with him. And every one of his employees and every one of his partner companies that were part of that sale benefited from that sale. He made sure to take care of his people. And that's where you truly see fantastic leadership. That culture of the business is as strong today as it was when he sold it and the company continues to grow. And that, so that culture, valuing the people and not just you know, calling it the team, not the staff, right? I don't like the word staff, the team, the people, because you can't succeed without the right people. And they're all pulling their own weight, doing and adding value through the systems that you create. And so, yes, every one of those elements is important. And a, a sophisticated buyer is going to like realize that you're not sophisticated if you have not paid attention to each one of those situations, which is why we've included all of that in Exit Rich. So you can understand what questions you need to ask, what things you should be thinking about early on, and how you can best prepare for that transfer where you don't lose a culture, you don't lose the employees that are important to you, and you don't lose the value because when somebody comes in and you're not prepared, your price comes down. So we want you to get so prepared that they're impressed and the price goes up. Yeah, I love that. And you led right to my next question, which is all about preparation. And I really appreciate the fact that you agree that maximizing the valuation of your business, while a common and important objective, shouldn't be the only objective. And you really have to prepare and be clear about what you're end goals really are. And I think that's so important. Now, most business owners will generally achieve better results uh, if they allow for some level of preparation, as you suggested. And I understand that the general rule of thumb is at least six to 12 months to properly plan for the sale of a business. And this includes completing 
a number of pre-sale due diligence exercises, including, as you said, operational, human capital, commercial, financial, taxation diligence. And that's all to help you identify the value drivers or the risks associated in the business. So what do you think are some of the most critical steps to be able to prepare for an exit and make sure that you do have all of that due diligence done, whether it's human capital, operational, commercial, financial, taxation, or other? Well, I think it's important for you to bring in the people who are experienced in that arena, people who understand the due diligence process, whether it be a business broker or an attorney that um, practices in business sales, so that you can have that, that knowledge on your team. And it doesn't take your focus away from it. A lot of times you get excited about selling a business and somebody comes in and it takes a ton of your time to do the due diligence with them. So your foot's off that accelerator again and they end up not buying you. And in the, in the process, your business is plateaued because you've been focused elsewhere. That's why it's so important to invest in talent that can help you get through that process, can make sure your documentation is prepared. And even more importantly, I know we talk about the value of the company, but every company has intellectual property. Most of them haven't identified it. And so part of that process and that due diligence is to identify your intellectual property, protect it and leverage it so that you have a foundation of what it is you're selling that you've probably heard the term goodwill when a business sells. Well, that goodwill means that intangible property. It's not on the books, but it's tremendous value. Think of the, the value of the swish for Nike or Coca-Cola, the logo, all right? It didn't cost anything to file that logo, but it's worth billions of dollars, right? That's intangible. And it's so important to identify that so that you are best prepared. Because when a company comes in and they ask for your financials, that intangible is not on the financials. So you have to be prepared to show them that valuation. Oh, it's so smart to talk about the importance of the value of both the tangible as well as the intangible value of a business. I think that's just critical. And, you know, I've heard that business owners should give themselves about two years to realize profit improvement initiatives and demonstrate their sustainability to buyers, potential buyers. And while growth is important, I think it's important also not to lose the focus on profitability. So how can business owners begin to balance growth and profitability because they're really different dynamics? Well, both are important. And if you are very clear about how you're doing that from the standpoint of, I've got this profitability and I'm reinvesting it into the company, because you're very clear in the documentation you're doing, um, a, a suitor's going to recognize that and see that, see what the intention is. But certainly, and in today's world, it's kind of hard to make generalities because companies sell for billions of dollars and they've they've never turned a profit, right? That comes back to that intangible asset side of things. But it's really important to know that, for instance, your database is an intangible asset, but companies sell just for their databases. And today, the whole world, we're all into Instagram followers, Facebook followers, LinkedIn, but you don't own those. And you, it's really important to have that because those are great lead generators, but you want to invite them home. You want to nurture them back into your database to build the value of your database. And so, yes, when you are thinking about selling you want to have somebody help you identify where your needs are 
where you need to strengthen your business and focus on doing that strengthening to get the highest value. But that doesn't mean it's two years. It could be six months. It could be three months or it could be three years. It, every, it, industry specific is what you want to look at. Look at other companies within your industry and how, how they sold and find out how you can make yourself. You know, I don't want to talk about putting on lipstick because you want it to be real. You want to make sure you have the makeover and that you have that consistent profitability that shows growth as well as reinvestment in the business. So smart. Thank you so much, Sharon. That's such a good reminder. So we've covered so much ground in our 30 minutes together, which I'm so grateful for. So to try to provide some actionable insight for our listeners today. Sharon, can you give us your take on the top three or four pieces of advice that you would give a business owner to build value now in order to exit rich later? What are the top three actions that someone should take right now if they're thinking about how to build their business value? Well, thank you, Linda. I think the first step would be to reaffirm what your definite purpose is. What is the problem that you solve? What is the need that you serve? And make sure that you are firmly aligned in what you're doing in all aspects of your business. Analyze what you're doing. Does it fall, you know, you do a, a test, all right? Everything that I'm doing, what am I best at? What am I enjoying doing? And what do I make money at? And grade it so that you can really know that you have all cylinders firing in the best and speediest way for, for exponential value and growth. Now, the other thing I would do is have, make sure I have a mentor. Because if you truly want to grow, a mentor is going to be have been where you want to go. And they can identify things for you that you don't understand. We don't know what we don't know but a mentor is going to help point out areas that need strengthening. They're going to point out new opportunities, potentially new revenue sources. And so it is such an incredible investment. They should be, you know, 10X your investment for a mentor who has been where you want to go. And that's, and a lot of people are afraid. And I go, they're afraid to share that they don't know something. I go, adjust your mindset. Instead of feeling like you're asking for help, Look at it as you're showing a sign of respect to that mentor, sharing that with them that they have been where you want to go. You understand they have the wisdom that can help you in what you're doing. So don't look at it as asking for help, asking for their sharing their wisdom. And it's also a sign of respect. And then thirdly, I would make sure I have my numbers correct. Even in the early stages of Rich Dad Poor Dad, I had our, our financials audited every year. So I wanted to make sure that we were sound and I knew what was going on. And I had a second pair of eyes that would look at it. Even though I had the background and the experience to do it on my own, I had the whole business to run. So every year we had our bookkeepers, we had our controller, but I had an outside party come in to make sure that all our numbers were sound. And that's such an important thing, not only to sell the business, but to function so that you can identify issues early. Because when people don't look at those on a regular basis, you can have a trend that starts moving in the bad direction. And if you don't pay attention to it, it could derail you very quickly. Yeah. Really great advice. Thank you so much, Sharon. And now I'm going to switch gears and talk about leadership. 
our last question of our time together. Sharon, you have provided such incredible uh, mentorship to other leaders, and you have provided incredible advice, guidance, expertise to other leaders who have become well-known household brands now. Um, and along the way, I'm sure that there have been mentors and leaders that have helped shape you. So what are some of the best pieces of advice that you've received, the best leadership advice that you've received that you'd like to share with our audience? Oh, well, thank you, Linda. And I think it's so important. I mean, you know, I talk about uh, a leader understands that they have to be both a pit boss and a cheerleader. And the issue is to gain the wisdom to know when you need to do which. And it's really important as a leader that you um, you duck when the praise comes, so your team gets the praise, but you stand tall when there's criticism. And um, I think a true leader brings people to the point of allowing them to see a higher level of potential for themselves than they see for themselves. And that, that I think is a, bringing out the brilliance in the people that you work with is what I think is the true responsibility of a leader. Oh, yeah, that's so that's so spot on. I think that the most effective leadership that I've seen in practice are leaders that are continuously learning so that they recognize that they don't always have all the answers. Uh, they're humble enough to recognize that they may not always know the very best way to go from point A to point B. And they cheer on and celebrate others on their team that provide solutions that perhaps they haven't come up with. So very much aligned with what you're talking about in terms of really celebrating the contributions and the successes of the team. So brilliant. So Sharon, again, I could not be more excited to have had you on the Lead Hership Global podcast. You are just such a wealth of knowledge and expertise. And the fact that that you give so generously of your time, your wisdom, your knowledge is just really quite inspiring. You are not just a legend, you are, uh, I think, a living icon of what it is to create generosity for other leaders, what it is to help shape and mold their path forward. And I am so grateful that you were willing to spend 30 minutes sharing your wisdom with the Lead Hership Global podcast audience. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Linda. I am so appreciative to you for all that you're doing, and I'm honored to be part of this. And I invite anyone to reach out to me, info at SharonLector.com. My website is SharonLector.com, and I'm Sharon Lecter on all social media, Clubhouse, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. So I invite all of you to connect with me. I'd love to hear from you. And certainly we'd love for you to um, all reach out to get Exit Rich because it has tremendous information. If you find one thing, it could potentially 10x the profitability of your business. So, Absolutely. I mean, this is a lady who is a true expert and Exit Rich is a brilliant book. I actually downloaded an advanced copy and I practically have it memorized. I will tell you that this is one of the most impactful, instructive books there is about how to build business value. So if this is something that's in your radar, 
don't miss the opportunity to read this compelling, engaging, um, and really informative book about how to build business value. So Sharon, thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of your day. And for our Lead Hership Global Podcast audience, join us next week. Tune in, same time, same place next week to hear from another tremendous leader uh, like Sharon Lecter. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.